Chris Webster here, co-founder of the APN. I just wanted to thank you for supporting archaeological education and outreach. Please share this post across your socials so more can learn about our shared past. On to the episode. The Dirt Podcast is brought to you with support from the Archaeology Division of the American Anthropological Association. Welcome to The Dirt, a podcast about archaeology, anthropology, and our shared human past. I'm Anna. And I'm Amber. And we're topical, this week at least. Um, But I mean, we're as topical as we can get when the news is thousands of years old. I mean, the news isn't. The content of the news. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a a risk we take when we talk about really old stuff. It's it's never new, but it is news. Anyway, we're uh, we're talking about the Denisovans, which I choose to pronounce that way because that's I looked it up and it turns out What did you ask one? No, I asked the phonetic cuz it's named after Denisova Cave, which is where they were found, and that's apparently how you pronounce it. I've been saying Denisovans. We'll probably say both today. That's who we're talking about, the Denisovans or Denisovans, a species of human that until extremely recently we knew absolutely nothing about. We didn't know that this population existed until some scattered remains were found. And just this past week, at time of recording, some new remains have, well, new old remains, have added a little bit to what we know. And so, dear listeners, we present to you our relatives, the Denisovans. This comes from Discover. Yeah, you know, appropriately. Yeah. <clears throat> the bone is no bigger than a coffee bean. It's a bit of pinky from a young girl that could have easily been missed among the thousands of bones dug up by archaeologists at the site each year. Yet, the unassuming fossil made it out of Denisova Cave in Siberia's Altai Mountains and into the Max Planck Institute's ancient DNA laboratory, laboratory in Leipzig, Germany, where in 2010 it yielded a complete genome of a previously unknown type of human. Geneticist Geneticist (laughs) Matthias Meyer, who worked on the specimen, said, no one had suspected such a population was out here. There. My dog dog just loudly burped. (laughs) (laughs) Under me. Um, I I got you, mom. No one had suspected such a population was out there. That partial finger bone was the first evidence of the Denisovans, a distinct branch of the Homo family tree whose members mated with both Neanderthals and modern humans during the past 100,000 years. Denisovans? Denisovans? Uh, may you have, didn't say Denisovans. Right? I, I just... Dini! Solvans. <laughs> Denisovans may have roamed the vast expanses of Asia with tools as sophisticated as those made by modern humans at the time. But years have passed since the discovery of the Denisovans, and the only tangible evidence of them is still that pinky nub and three additional molars from the same cave. So this is from an older article, but I did include a visual for you of said said pinky nub. It's so small, so whoever, whoever ID'd that is a champ. Hello, special 
special Marky correspondent? Do you have She's Do you have bones. a report from the field? <laughs> bones! Specifically small bones. The little finger belonged to someone who was still growing, but is otherwise nondescript. Uh, the molars are big, larger than those of any recent humans and within the range of pre-human australopithecines who lived millions of years ago. Right. So, so tell me about them big teeth. I, I can do that. Hang. So uh, is that the noise of big teeth? Hang. Yeah. <laughs> so around nine million years ago. What? Don't worry. We're going <laughs> to... We'll come back. Oh, no. Around around 9 million years ago, there was the start of a climate event um, that resulted in a trend of the Earth becoming cooler and more arid. And that resulted in, specifically in Africa, where all of these species were evolving, uh, australopiths, um, resulted in the fragmentation of the forested environment that was there. Um, and it kind of got broken up and... Uh, became steadily replaced by open grasslands. And so the vegetation changed pretty significantly. And this meant that the hominins that were evolving in Africa, um, their diet changed. And their diet changed from delicious, tender, leafy, vegetable-y foods to kind of tough, grassy foods that you might expect from an open plain. And as a result of that specific environmental pressure, we start to see bigger molars in australopiths, particularly the robust australopithecines that we talked about in our uh, in our human evolution series. But um, you start to see bigger cheek teeth, so the, the molars and the premolars. And so that's an indication of a tougher diet. So if these Denisovans had this this sort of larger molar situation, it's tough to say whether it's a derived um, trait that just kind of continued from from an ancestor that that uh, didn't sort of evolve smaller yet, or maybe the the Denisovan diet was still sort of tough and involved less less highly nutritious plant foods that they needed to to grind down. Um, but yeah, so that that trend of larger molars as compared to the rest of the teeth is called megadontia, and it's something that you see in in australopiths and especially the the paranthropines or the the robust australopiths. I thought you were going to say megadontia is something you see in sharks. Yeah, <laughs> Da-da. they have big teeth. Aside Da-da. from these scant clues, everything we know about Denisovans comes from their DNA. They Can't spell did- Denisovan without. DNA. Nope, you can't. <laughs> Turns out you can't. Never, <laughs> never probably before. Though, so. Shish. <laughs> <laughs> never before has the history of an extinct human been told by its genome rather than its fossils and artifacts. Meyer says it's a new era in anthropology. So, uh, Matthias Meyer and his Max mm-hmm. Planck colleagues, mm-hmm. friend. <laughs> your friend and mine, have successfully extracted DNA from all four Denisovan fossils and determined that the specimens came from different individuals. So there were at least four of them. At least four, but they are represented by <laughs> such small bits. I mean, I'm just saying, like, as a species. <laughs> oh, yeah. They we know that there were at, at least four. four. At um, least for, as we'll see, <laughs> extremely well-traveled individuals. Yeah. Uh, based on accumulated genetic differences among them, two of the individuals lived roughly 65,000 years before the others. And so that means that the Denisovan lineage was around for a while. 
At yeah, least so the, 600, no, at least 65,000 years. Yes, and at least and four. And at least four people. <laughs> so, yeah, so the oldest, and, and we'll talk about this, but the oldest... Denisovan remains that we have are around 160,000 years old, and then the youngest ones are between 30 and 50,000 years old. So it's a pretty good span of time, and and that was if we if we go back that amount of time, that's around when Neanderthals are in Europe and um, anatomically modern Homo sapiens are still kicking around Africa and um, environs. So. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Denisovans. It's so weird that they were all there at the same time. It's not weird. It shouldn't be weird. Like it shouldn't be weird that there are multiple species of deer in a forest, right? It shouldn't be weird that there were multiple species of human bopping around the world at the same time. We can we, species coexist. They're, they're, it's just. I mean, weird. not for much longer. Well, let's stay positive, <laughs> huh? God, so on brand. <laughs> um, so, if you'll remember, everyone, from our human evolution episode, Denisovans, Neanderthals, and modern humans all descend from the same population of ancestors, right? Yes, probably Homo heidelbergensis or someone, someone. close to that. And so they most likely lived in Africa between 550,000 and 765,000 years ago. So some of these early humans spread to Eurasia, not my Asia, Eurasia, um, where they split into Neanderthals in Europe and Denisovans in Asia. So Denisovans are sort of like an Eastern cousin, our Eastern cousin of Neanderthals, like the play. But so when it was in quotes, like an Eastern cousin, I was like, is that a reference to the play? And I was like, nope, nope, nope. Our American cousin. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> nope. No, you're just very uh, literate. So At literate? <laughs> what? No, I said you're very literate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, I was at Sephora, and it's like around the corner from the Ford Theater. <laughs> oh. So. Uh, are, they pl- are they showing our American cousin? Oh, never mind. The Ford Theater. That was what was playing when, yep, mm-hmm. I got there. I got there eventually. It was a Lincoln. Okay, cool. Uh, for some period, <laughs> for some period after that initial dispersal, the human groups, now divided geographically, were evolving into distinct species. Had they stayed separated longer, they would have naturally accumulated too many genetic differences to mate successfully. So... Put a pin in that maiden, because mm. uh, we're going to get back to it. We'll get back to that Denisovan interbreeding and dispersal of genetic material. Mm. But, you know. But but now let's talk about bones and stuff. More bones. Okay, so this is from sciencenews.org. A palm-sized section of a brain case is the first Denisovan skull fossil ever found. Discovered in two pieces in Siberia's Denisova Cave in August 2016, the find joins only a handful, literally, of fragmentary fossils from these mysterious extinct hominids. Mitochondrial DNA, a type of genetic material typically inherited from the mother that was extracted from the skull, pegged it as Denisovan. And this is um, uh, based on a presentation that paleoanthropologist Benz Viola gave at the annual meeting of the American Association of Physical Anthropologists, which has now at least started the process of changing its name to 
the American Association of Biological Anthropologists. So it's now the AAP slash BA. Um, but in any case, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in, in 2016, the AAP slash BAs oh were gosh. a flutter at at uh, all of this new uh, Denisovan news and, and it raised a lot of questions because there was multiple presentations on the Denisovans um, that raised new questions about these relatives of Neanderthals and presumably of us, including how recently they existed and who were known only from the previous discoveries in Denisova cave, the, the little finger bone and the teeth. But little else is known about Denisovan's evolutionary history or identity. For example, it's long been unclear if Denisovans belong to a distinct species of the genus Homo, and now most researchers say that the new evidence is still not enough to resolve that mystery. But that was in 2016, and it's been a few years. And so now we've got the Tibetan Denisovan, now with more bones! Okay, so... This is quite recent from uh, the past couple of weeks. The jawbone of a little known form of ancient human has been discovered in Western China. And this is pulled from an article from NPR. Scientists say that these people lived as long as 150,000 years ago, and they were part of a group called Denisovans. Other, what? <laughs> um so what those researchers didn't know in, in 2010 was that 30 years earlier, a Tibetan monk had found part of a jawbone in a cave on the Tibetan plateau in the Himalayas. He gave it to the sixth living Buddha, a holy man there who passed it on to scientists, and they started studying the piece of bone nine years ago. And now they say that that jawbone too is Denisovan. So the bone is about half of the lower jaw, or the mandible, and it was found in a huge cave almost 11,000 feet up in the plateau. Chinese scientist Zhongzhu Zhang of Lanzhou University in China says that these archaic humans, quote, successfully adapted to high-altitude, low-oxygen environments long before the regional arrival of modern Homo sapiens, end quote. So that's cool. She also notes that there were tools and animal bones with cut marks in the cave. So if those re uh, remains were left there by the Denisovans, it means that they probably stayed there for a while if they were uh, making their food in that cave. Um, but the fact that some Denisovans would have lived in Tibet and places like it makes sense, and here's why. When scientists first examined DNA from the Denisovan bones in Siberia, they found many genes that modern humans also have. One of those genes we've inherited and is common among Tibetans, and it gives people the ability to live at very high altitudes with low oxygen levels. So, apparently, some early Denisovans lived on the Tibetan plateau a long time ago. The jaw is around 160,000 years old. So they developed the low oxygen trait and then at some point passed it on to Homo sapiens. So um, Matt Tacheri, a paleoanthropologist at Lakehead University in Canada who studies early humans in Asia, says it's in the modern human gene pool that low oxygen trait because of interbreeding with Denisovans. And now it's this particular jaw that's been identified as Denisovan. And the fact that it's actually from the Tibetan plateau connects those dots. So Tacheri says that this discovery reinforces the growing realization that the main river of human lineage was split into numerous tributaries. And some were pretty far off the mainstream, like the four foot tall Homo floresiensis, your friend and mine. And it lived, uh, so 
flow lived as recently as 50,000 years ago on a remote island in Indonesia, but it had numerous ape-like characteristics reminiscent of creatures that lived millions of years ago. So Tacheri goes on to say, it wasn't that long ago that humans were way more diverse than they are today, and we carry some of that diversity because we have some of these genes that survive in us. And sometimes, like the low oxygen gene, they make us more adaptable. Um, And so Tacheri says, clearly modern humans have reaped the benefit of these adaptations that they acquired. And so um, all of that new information on the Tibetan mandible was published in the journal Nature. And that adds a little bit to our fossil record of the Denisovans. Now we've got a slightly larger handful of bones, but it still leaves us with the question of where did the Denisovans go? The answer, what little we have of it, is surprising. Tell us about it. Yetis. No, not yetis. I'm going to shut that down. We are not no, a pseudo-archaeology not- podcast. No, but this, uh, the first place I saw it on Facebook was somebody being like, could this be a yeti? No. No, it cannot. It's not. Let it's me continue. Not, sir. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, the Siberian Denisovans' genetic makeup included adaptations for living at high altitudes. But... The altitude of the Siberian cave, you know, the Denisovan the, one. The, the cave. The, ca- the cave. The, uh, the itself. Not, not a cave. The no. cave. Um, mm. So that altitude was only uh, 2,297 feet, so about 700 meters. The discovery of the jawbone on the Tibetan plateau shows that Denis- Denisovans were... Denisovans were already living at extreme <laughs> altitudes 160,000 years ago and were adapted to low oxygen environments, according to the study. So who are these? Who are these people? Where did they go? <laughs> so weird emphasis that you put on that question. <laughs> well, we could only know. Well, I don't know. You put multiple question marks on it. I felt like I had to put because some English really on it. it's really exciting. Where are they? <laughs> you put a little stank on that question, a little mustard on it. Well, we can only know what the fossil remains and DNA tell us, not what randos on Facebook tell us. And granted, ancient DNA isn't always a foolproof source of data. But Look, if you listen to the dirt, we want if there's one takeaway, don't listen to people on Facebook. Except <laughs> us. We post science on Facebook. You can listen to us. Speaking of science, yep. here's some mm-hmm. stuff from uh, the new one. This is from the, <laughs> the news. news? The new scientist. This is from the new scientist. We already know that after Homo sapiens first migrated out of Africa, our species repeatedly interbred with a number of now extinct hominid species. Brown chicken, brown cow. Including the Neanderthals and Denisovans. Keep keep, keep that pin in there. Um, Mm -hmm. The signs are in our DNA today. All people of non-African descent carry some Neanderthal DNA, while some Asian people also have Denisovan DNA. Not much is known about these mysterious Denisovans. Their only physical remnants discovered so far are those few teeth and fragments of bone on Ernestine Cave in Siberia, and now this this mandible or personable. No, it's not a womanable. <laughs> a personable. A um, personable. So the, this, uh, the, this jawbone from Tibet. There you go. This Tibetan mandible. Uh, but DNA analyses have found that the Denisovans must have lived much further east and south of Siberia, too. 
Genetic evidence suggests our species interbred with Denisovans at least twice in Asia and Australasia, and that the genomes of people from Papua New Guinea may be up to 5% Denisovan. Until now, such genetic studies have generally looked at only a small fraction of people's DNA to draw these conclusions. To get a fuller picture, Murray Cox of Massey University, New Zealand, and his his colleagues have done the first large-scale study of whole genomes from people living in Indonesia and Papua New Guinea, sequencing all the DNA of 161 different people. DNA-wise, that's a pretty robust sample. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this reveals that our ancestors in this in this part of the world seem to have interbred with at least two distinct groups of Denisovans. One group around 50,000 years ago, as previously thought, and a second group much more recently. Oh. Uh, the genetic analysis suggests that this occurred sometime between 50,000 and 15,000 years ago. <laughs> eh. <laughs> sometime. Okay, so it's like one group around 50,000 and then one much more recently, possibly after that. Yes. Cool. Uh-huh. There's reason to think it happened at the most recent end of that range, says Cox. The genes from the second interbreeding are much more common in people living in the Papua New Guinea mainland than in people living on nearby islands, suggesting the mixing happened with the mainlanders after the islanders' ancestors had left. Yeah, that makes sense to me. It does make sense. Archaeological evidence suggests this migration to the islands happened around 30,000 years ago. That was the sound of Amber's brain short-circuiting. <laughs> wow. Um, but by comparing the genomes of mainlanders and islanders, uh, Cox's team calculates that it was later at around 15,000 years ago. The That's only, so recent. <laughs> the only explanation for the data is that there was an extra bout of mainlanders interbreeding with Denisovans. Yes, and I would like to About. take a moment... I know. <laughs> I want to take a moment to just briefly shudder at the phrase "bout of interbreeding." <laughs> Sorry. So, Ow. so we got um we got a quote from Murray Cox. Uh, what we thought was a single group, Denisovans, uh, was actually three very different groups with more diversity among them than that seen today in modern humans. So. This newly discovered Denisovan group reportedly split from the other two as far back as 363,000 years ago. <laughs> what? <laughs> you okay? Time is hard, I know. I know. Time is hard, but It's as genetically different from the original Siberian Denisovans as that group is to the Neanderthals, according to Cox. Right. So there were... A Den- there was a Denisovan group that just split really far back, so it was genetically distinct enough, but I guess still Den- Denisovan. So like that group could have come back and interbred with the other Denisovans. Could have had a bout they of it. They weren't. They had a bout. Okay. Um. So, um, Cox wrote in a report in fizz.org. Fizz.org. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That report points out the scientists used to believe only modern humans and Neanderthals walked the earth. Um, Now, as multiple research papers have suggested, it's clear that there used to be many human-like lineages that existed in the past. That's a real mental adjustment for me. It shouldn't be that hard to realize that. Yeah, you as a person that, like, is very much aware of Neanderthals. Yeah. Like, perhaps, like, someone who's just, like, live in their monospecies life 
being like, what? Uh, but yeah, yeah. Okay. I guess I'm, I'm in a, a better position than most to appreciate the possibility of all of a sudden new species. But like, even still for, for me, it's just like, this is... I'm still, I'm still that person going, what? Um, so it, all those hundreds of thousands of years that the Denisovans were bopping around, what were they doing? Well, mm, we know almost nothing about their behavior, but one thing we know they were doing was getting down with the members of the other human populations on earth at the time, having bouts of interbreeding. Oh my God. Um, and so I, I pulled from this article 85% because of the title, which is Denisovans and Neanderthals interbred in a giant cave. Like a, like a swingers club? Yeah. Paleo key party. Here's that article. Is that one where there's not a lot of carbs? What? Paleo key Oh, party. paleo key party. I see what you did there. Not a lot of carbs. Mm-hmm great content <laughs> like it start this article starts the way that all the articles start the evidence of denisovans is very limited we get it <laughs> we get it they're exclusive while it has been difficult to learn about the denisovans directly nevertheless the genetic evidence is so clear that it has been possible to search for markers in the modern human genome it has long been known that neanderthals and modern humans frequently interbred and apparently the denisovans got in the mix too the interchange. <laughs> God. <laughs> also. Oh, it's such sexy writing. The interchange appears to have been beneficial. Yeah, we got a finalist for like the best 2019's best erotic writing here. Look, listeners, the next time you're with your partner Just or whoever. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Gross. I'm gonna... The interchange <laughs> appears to... <laughs> The interchange appears to have been beneficial, exchanging genes that helped shape our immune system. Well, mine didn't benefit. Aboriginal Australians share up to 5% of Denisovan DNA, suggesting that the species once roamed far beyond the Altai Mountains and probably across East Asia. At some point, they must have interbred with the Melanesian people who set sail and populated Australia tens of thousands of years ago. The extent to which the species overlapped within Denisova Cave has long been a subject of speculation, but Elizabeth Panisi writes that there was extensive interbreeding between Neanderthals and Denisovans. Panisi also describes how Denisovan remains contain evidence of yet another, even more ancient species that is still unknown with which they must have interbred in the distant past. And so, Amber, even though this might be a salami moment for you, I want you to tell me about ghost DNA. Let's talk about this book that Anna likes. And so this is from this is from one of my favorite books, at least in terms of uh, nonfiction writing. Adam Rutherford's "A Brief History of Everyone Who Ever Lived" in a section entitled "A Ghost from Our Past." Oh my God! There is one more almost surreal twist in the tale of Denisovans so far, for I'm sure there will be many more in the months and years to come. In 2013, David Reich a Harvard geneticist, further looked at the Denisovan genome with a very close squint in the form of sophisticated and sensitive statistical analysis and saw something difficult to explain. The Neanderthals and the Denisovans split off from the lineage that ended in us some 400,000 years ago. But if you look hard enough, the Denisovan genome looks slightly more different from ours than it should. What this implies, according to Reich and others, is that they also had admixed and interbred with another species one for whom we have no DNA to compare, and no fossils. A ghost population. A group of humans who are only known by the spectral presence 
they left in DNA as an outcome of sex. <laughs> oh, you got me when I was taking a sip. Mm. Speculation is rife about who they were. Some, such as the UK's doyen of ancient human bones, Chris Stringer, from the Natural History Museum in London, thinks Thanks. they might be a species known from bones from which we have not fished out any DNA yet. Homo heidelbergensis. There's right, another so possibility <laughs> featuring another set of bones that will only further muddy the once clear picture of human evolution. Mm. In the Longlin Cave in Guangxi Shuang in southwest China, remains of some odd people have been found. They died somewhere between 14,000 and 11,000 years ago. By this stage, everywhere else in the world that we know of, we see only anatomically modern humans. But these guys were not that. They shared many characteristics with us, but also many primitive features. And the cave were the cultural remnants of lots of cooked venison. And they have become known as the Red Deer Cave People. Some have suggested that these people might be the fruit of Denisovan and modern human matings. Until we get the DNA. The answer is another enigma in this increasingly populous field. A field full of enigmas. Um, yeah. So in the show notes, we will link to a really great article from The Conversation that talks about some of the anatomical features of these red deer cave hominins. And it's got some great pictures of the remains. So it seems like the overall size of these people was quite small compared to anatomically modern humans, but maybe that's not surprising given the recent appearance of hominin relatives like Homo floresiensis and then the newly discovered Homo lucinensis that we mentioned yeah. on the most recent old news. Um, two very diminutive populations. They were we. The red deer cave thigh bone is also interesting, and it's more similar to older species in the genus Homo, like Homo erectus or Homo habilis, while other features, like the shape of the face and skull, are much closer to us. So, um, yeah. Give me that question. So, okay. So the DNA could be Homo heidelbergensis DNA? We, yeah. So It, it there, could be, but we, we don't have a genome. So, Correct. We don't have a genome from Homo heidelbergensis, and there's actually not very much in terms of skeletal remains from heidelbergensis, so it's tough. Um, how many and they're fossils? How like this is a lightning round? How many genomes? How many gemo gemos genomes? <laughs> how how many genomes? I think we just have uh, Homo sapiens, Neanderthal, and now Denisovan. Oh, so this is like not a not a like super common thing to have for hominins. A genome? Yeah, like a complete genome map. Yeah, I mean the issue is is it is there enough collagen or organic material preserved to get DNA from right, it? Right, right. So we don't but we don't have enough from everyone else. Right. Because some are completely fossilized. So we wouldn't. Some are completely yeah, some are completely fossilized. Some are from some are not fossilized, but they're from conditions where the organic material has deteriorated to such an extent that DNA can't be extracted. And I don't know actually what the condition of like say Floresiensis or Luzonensis. I don't know what the condition of those bones is or if there's been an effort to extract DNA. Because that would be really interesting too to see what the common ancestor was between us and them to see sort of if it was a because that was one of the questions that we were talking about when we talked about 
Homo floresiensis is, was this a population that evolved on the way to Flores and then made its way over to Flores and right. evolved further? Or was it a population of something like Homo erectus that made it to Flores and then evolved from there? And um, so if, if there are um, individuals living today in Australia or Papua New Guinea who have up to 5% of their mm-hmm. genetic material being Denisovan. Denisovan. Yeah. Um, did we have 5% of the Denisovan genome there? Like, even though we've mapped it, is this some, because like, is this something where we could um, figure out, I don't know, like, is there a way to figure out how much of, uh, of like our genome isn't, our genetic material isn't ours? Like, do, oh, do you, do you that's understand, a really cool do you question. My question. I do. Because there's five, per- they say we're up to 5%, but like, eh, what's that mean? Because are I know, we like also like 98% chimp or something? Like, what does this mean? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Hang no, on. Like, <laughs> well, like, you, like these, these figures are thrown around. And so right. I guess my first question is, what does that actually mean when we have up to 5% um, in genetic material? And then the mm-hmm. second question how much of a genome can we access through the genetic material that we know isn't us or Neanderthal or Denisovan? Thanks. (laughs) Okay. Question one. Um, So our, our DNA to further complicate things about 98% of your DNA does nothing. And my DNA, everyone's DNA. It is non-coding. It is the result of lots of... So we need to unlock our potential and use 100%. Don't Don't you do that. (laughs) Don't you do that. No. No. So it's just that um, it's the result of of evolution over time. And it's like DNA that has come along for the ride, but does nothing to harm us and and just does nothing. It's genetic material that is non-coding, which means it has nothing to do with your, your life. <laughs> um, but the part of our DNA that tells our, uh, tissues what to do and tells, you know, when we're developing, it tells our brains how to develop. Well, and that's, it, like, the, important and that's the stuff part. that like tells our eyes to be brown and our, yeah, it, codes, it codes for every and our serotonin to not get reuptaked. <laughs> like very specific all that stuff i'm asking <laughs> for a friend yeah uh yes it is that okay that that two percent of your dna is what makes you you everything physical about you is is coded by some combination of that little bit of dna so yeah that becomes a, a question of um how much of that genetic material then overlaps with what we see in the the neanderthal or the denisovan genome and so it's not so much that it isn't ours, okay. right? It's just that it, cause it's all human DNA. Right. It's, and it's, it's not so much that it isn't ours. It's just that it comes from different relatives. It comes from different portions, different, uh, junctures of our sort of family tumbleweed. How does that, how, how do we know that? Do we know that because it, because it, do we it's only know that against we only know that after we map a genome another exactly. one exactly yeah so okay. we have the we have the homo sapiens genome 
we have the Neanderthal genome and we have the Denisovan genome. And so we have, this is going to be a, a sort of incomplete explanation, but we have sort of the, the quote unquote pure version of each of those. So we know what a, a completely homo sapiens genome looks like. And then we can look at populations at different places in the world and see where differences occur. And we can try and figure out where those differences come from. And in some cases, those sequences, the, you know, the letters that make up our genetic code. Some some of those sequences don't come from the Homo sapiens lineage. They come from either the Neanderthal or the Denisovan okay. genome. So, the, so it's not, the stuff that comes from the Neanderthal genome is stuff that you don't see in populations from Africa or right. East Asia. The stuff yeah. that, that comes from the Denisovans you don't see in Europe, West, Western Europe. Yeah. Or Africa. And then what, and so what, like with the, the red deer cave people. So that's, we don't have a comparative. That's the stuff that that isn't in like the pure Denisovan genome. No, the red deer cave. We don't know. We don't know. We don't have DNA from there. Oh, it's just, it's just features. Yeah. It is the morphological, the actual physical features of individuals from red deer cave that look like a weird mix of these sort of more primitive features that, that seem to be derived from um, an older species like Homo erectus or Homo habilis, but we don't have the DNA to bear that out. So we have these features, but unless we have DNA, we just have to speculate. Right. And, and but we would need DNA both from the thing bearing the features and the thing that the features could have been derived from. Right, we, so we, we need would like need two DNA. We would need yeah, two two things to compare the red deer cave individuals DNA, and then also if we're specula- speculating that this is Homo erectus or Homo habilis, we would need DNA from either of those species. Okay, and which we don't have, just, to my knowledge. Just to really round this out, mm-hmm. the Homo sapiens genome that is just mm-hmm. Homo sapiens genome. Mm-hmm. If you just just saying that sort of without any context kind of smacks of some kind of like yeah purity i know and i and so how so how is that is that just because it's the the dna it's it's the genome of homo sapiens close to the point of speciation correct it's the dna of homo sapiens so i mean i'm not a paleogeneticist uh, i just, mean dis- a disclaimer out there i just yeah, no, not but, for, but not for is- you you know <laughs> this is for the listeners just like this is this is sort of like the the introduction to anthropology explanation of it right so the so homo sapiens evolved out of um populations of homo erectus in africa eventually so yes just like you were saying at the point closest to in both in time and and geography, the DNA of individuals closest to that point of origin of evolution, um, yeah, that's that's where you would get this quote unquote pure uncut Homo sapiens DNA. Um, but the word pure is so problematic, and right. I, I was sort of having difficulty coming up with a, a synonym that was. They all have all the words that I can think of, like oh, pure yeah. and authentic. Well, and- yeah, when you're t- especially when you're talking about like one's like genetic, like yeah. stock. No, it is. Uh, but 
but also I remember when we were when we did our human evolution episodes, um, Homo neanderthalus, Homo neanderthalensis. I know Homo neanderthalensis yeah. is like is human, and it's yeah. and it's human because we were able to have bouts of interbreeding. <laughs> Gross, and yeah, it's so like sort of like a a. They're if they have by the biological definition right, of species. But Neanderthals kind of have like a like a bad PR team. Um, historically yeah, they have speaking, for the past couple couple yeah. hundred years. Yeah, that's not their fault. So we're it's, in the business of rehabilitating Neanderthal their their image. Scandal <laughs> in a giant cave fifty thousand years ago. Yeah. So Neanderthals, Denisovans, and Homo sapiens are all they can all be lumped into under the umbrella of human. Yeah. Okay. Um, by the sort of biological definition of species, which is populations that are close enough genetically that they can interbreed and have offspring that are fertile. Right. So you got we a don't horse have, and a donkey. We don't have a having, liger situation. No, exactly. We don't have a liger or a mule situation. So those those individuals can have offspring, but the offspring themselves are sterile and they can't they can't breed any further. So you uh, that's they are different horses and donkeys and lions and tigers are officially biologically different species, but that's not the case for Neanderthals, Denisovans and Homo sapiens, because if their genome persists, then it means that they successfully had offspring that then had offspring, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, this was, this was sort of by necessity, a short one, just because there's so little information, there's some DNA that's very compelling and exciting. And then just, uh, maybe at this point a double handful of bits and pieces of physical evidence and then plus the the red deer cave individuals so it's really exciting though it's it's sort of at this point a big shrug but uh it promises a lot more clarity to come uh about this this whole new world where these species were all over the place together at the same time it's so cool it's very cool. giddy so this was a short one, listeners, but we hope that you are as hooked as we are on the mystery of the Denisovans, and we will keep you updated on our social media and, if you're a Patreon subscriber, on our monthly old news roundup if new developments emerge. Thank you all for listening. We will be back in your ears soon with new episodes, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and wherever else you get your pods. And uh, while you're over there, you can really, 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 really help us out and um, really, really leave some uh, reviews and stars. Give us some stars, some stars over at all those places. You can find us on Facebook at The Dirt Podcast. On Twitter, we're at Dirt Podcast. And on Instagram, we are at The Dirt Pod. All of that is together on our website, thedirtpod.com. And you can email us at thedirtpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, especially if you're a paleogeneticist. Yeah, if you want to get in touch with us and teach us all of this, please and thank you. Yeah. If you subscribe to us over on Patreon at any level, I swear to you, any level, we put out bonus goodies like video content so you can see me glaring at my dog. $1 a month. That's a, it's a quarter a week. Most months. And that's at patreon.com slash the dirt podcast. Yay! Thank you all for listening. We appreciate you greatly. We really do. Bye! 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 Goodbye! Bye! Farewell! Later, bruh. Auf Wiedersehen.
Chris Webster here. Thanks for listening and sharing this episode across your socials. It really helps us get the word out. If you don't know how to share from your podcast app, just look for a share icon on Apple devices. It's usually a box with a little arrow coming out of it, something like that, and share it across your socials right from in the app. If you'd like to support us a little more and get some extras in the process, then head over to arcpodnet.com slash members for some options. That's arcpodnet.com slash members to support archaeological education and outreach.